Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. River's Edge. Yeah. And did you like it? I did like it. Good, 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 good. It's um I mean it's it's dated, but it's still it's still a pretty good movie. Like it's interesting the way people react to this girl's death. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's very loosely based on a true story. Mm-hmm. It's based on the murder of Marcy Conrad, who was killed by her boyfriend. Anthony Broussard in uh, Milpitas, California Mm -hmm. in 1981. And basically what was significant about that was he was like 16 and she was 14 Mm -hmm. and he murdered and raped her. Mm -hmm. And then over the course of two weeks, he invited about a dozen classmates out into the woods Mm -hmm. to look at her naked body and out of a dozen classmates, like 10 of them were like, oh, yeah, sweet. You know, mm-hmm. you probably cover up with like leaves so you don't get busted or whatever. Mm-hmm. Only two of them went to the police. Wow. So the screenwriter, Neil Jimenez, mm-hmm. was basically blown away by the apathy of the yeah. youth at the time. So wrote the script based on that. I think that alone is a pretty compelling story that you don't really need to add. Like they added the speed freak played by Crispin Glover Mm -hmm. and the weird recluse played by Dennis Hopper. Hopper. Yeah. I feel like you kind of don't need them to make this story more upsetting. Yeah. It's incredibly upsetting because, you know, at first I'm like, I don't know that he actually killed her because, Nobody seems that freaked out by it except for Keanu Reeves. Yeah. And Crispin Glover is the one who's like, we got to cover this up. Like, Right. You were thinking there was going to be a twist that Crispin Glover did it. Mm-hmm. And well, we'll go through the plot very quickly. It starts with Samson John Tollett, mm-hmm. played by Danny Roebuck. Daniel Roebuck. Waking up next to the dead body of Janet. Ja- Jamie. Jamie. And uh, basically just goes to school and is like, hey, kill Jamie. And then all of his friends go and look and they're like, oh, yeah, you did. And um, Crispin Glover's character is like, we got to get John out of here. Yeah. And 
they go to the local recluse pot dealer, mm-hmm. Feck, played by Dennis Hopper, who at the end kind of mercy kills, I guess. Yeah, John. kind of mercy kills him. Yeah. And then there's a lot of like subplots, like Keanu Reeves' little brother. Is uh, kind of a psycho. Is, yeah, is a major psycho and ends up getting a gun and wants to kill Keanu Reeves. So he's yeah. hunting him down throughout the movie. And yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, because he finds out that his brother, like, is turned the, in. Turned in. Yeah. Well, at least told the police that John was the one who killed Jamie. Right. And then, you know, it kind of ends with, you know, eventually the police go and find john's body yeah yeah it's nuts because these these friends like even as they're talking to the um to the reporters like towards the end they're like yeah we were friends with her and john too like also i play the guitar i'm like what the fuck like right you're you're so like how why huh were they even friends with her because they're like nothing seems to be happening like nothing gets like they're they don't seem to be upset right life kind of goes on for them yeah it's weird because we were making fun of the acting in this afterwards yeah this is the movie that crispin glover chose to follow up back to the future with and crispin glover like you said is playing this at a 17 yeah like he is just he's like you guys come on we gotta do all like he is acting with his arms with his eyes with his entire body yeah yeah he's going for it and this is really crispin glover or keanu reeves first real starring movie yeah it's like his first like big movie i'd say yeah he was in young blood the year before this but that's more of a rob lowe movie mm-hmm. and patrick swayze like Keanu Reeves is pretty far down the list of actors in Youngblood. Yeah. Coincidentally, River's Edge came out in 1986, same time as Babes in Toyland. Uh-huh. So. Yeah. He may have shot these movies back to back. Perhaps. Perhaps. It's the second movie that we've watched with my, with uh, Ione Sky. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's the third Dennis Hopper movie we've watched. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Dennis Hopper is just real creepy in this. Everybody kind of knows him. He's the reclusive, like, you know, drug dealer. Yeah, he's not even a drug dealer because he just gives weed to he the He just kind of gives weed to them. He's like a an old, like, bike gang guy, but, like, he lost his leg and he talks about how he killed a girl. Right. But he has this, like, blow-up doll kind of thing that he is called Ellie that he... It's almost it's like, like he's his wife. Ro- the rival diner guy in Blood Diner. Yes. Or <laughs> he just has like a puppet wife for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. Like they don't ever really explain why he has her around or like what really happened with the other woman. There is a brief shot that I thought was kind of neat when the police are going in his house. Mm-hmm. They show that he has like a chopper motorcycle. Yeah. And it made me kind of wonder if that was like a little nod to Easy Rider at all oh maybe yeah josh miller plays tim the little brother and he's also in this movie called near dark that i don't know Mm-mm. if you've ever seen i know you're not a huge vampire fan no but near dark is it's kind of like a modern day vampire western and it is really really good i feel like i'm gonna have to eventually make you watch that okay 
And I think it's going to be one of those movies that you end up really liking a lot. Okay. But what's also neat about Josh Miller is the movie Final Girls that kind of spoofs mm-hmm. that trope. He's the writer of that. Oh, wow. And there's a TV series that came out a few years ago that lasted, I think, like three seasons called Queen of the South about this woman who takes over her husband's drug dealing empire. Mm -hmm. And he's the creator of that. Oh, wow. And that lasted like 53 episodes. Oh, good for him. So, yeah. So, you know, he's kind of a. A funny looking kid. He's very creepy. Yeah. Is the thing. Like he's such a creep because he like in the very the first shot of the movie, he's throwing his little sister's favorite doll off of a bridge to kill it. And then like she makes this little like grave for her because she doesn't have anything to bury and he just like destroys it. Like he's crazy. Yeah, he is a very, very creepy kid. He's very, very creepy. It's very unsettling, this this kid. And then when he's like, oh, I'm going to go kill my brother. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. His half-brother is Jason Patrick from Lost Boys. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's an interesting child actor mm-hmm. who really, I only know him from this and Near Dark. Um, Corey Haim was originally cast as Tim in oh, this. Wow. And they actually filmed with Corey Haim, mm-hmm. but then he got sick. And um, so... Um, ended up getting replaced with josh miller yeah well i mean you know he does a really good job he's very unsettling and like really holds his own it seems like he's kind of gone the way of like john francis daly where you know he he was a child actor and then you know got older and started writing directing the same way that he the that he did can i make this really creepy speculation sure so Corey feldman recently came out and said that Charlie Sheen raped Corey Haim repeatedly on the set of Lucas that came out in 1986. I wonder if Corey Haim dropped out of this because he was dealing with, you know, and apparently that's what made Corey Haim turn to drugs. I wonder if there's anything to that. And he was just like, I'm not well enough to make another movie right now because I just got raped a lot. Wow. On Lucas. You know, but that's all Corey Feldman, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Fucking poor Corey Haim. Yeah. Hollywood's a gross, dirty place. Yeah, it's really gross. Yep. Here's another one of those strange, I think it's kind of interesting. It's not, probably won't be terribly interesting to too many people, but the dead body, Jamie, Mm -hmm. who's really only shown in um, like a live. uh, In one scene. Yeah. And it's the scene where he's killing her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's played by someone named Danny Dietz Mm -hmm. and she's now a producer of music videos. One of the music videos she produced was Ed Sheeran's don't that I was in. That you were in. Yeah. Do you think she, um, was friends with that director? (laughs) I don't know. She was married to someone like a director, I believe, but I don't know if it was that guy or not. Mm -hmm. That guy was the most abusive shitty director I have ever worked with in any of like the weird, you know, little acting things that I did. Uh, She did produce like three of his music videos though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emil Nava is the name of the director. So I don't know if he was married to her or not. Yeah. That guy was like in the video. I'm, 
I have a family and I have mm-hmm. two small kids. Yeah. And like the girl who played my daughter played Jennifer Lope, like a young Jennifer Lopez yeah. and something. So she's an actress who's been around yeah. and stuff. Um, you know, for even though she was really young. And that director was so brutal to like the kids even. Mm. So fuck you, Emil Nava. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Grow the fuck up. Yeah. Learn how to treat people. Uh, yeah, I remember you came back and you were like, that was awful. The director was terrible. Like, not that he, like, put out a shitty video, but he just treated everyone so awful. Yeah, it's it's an interesting music video. Which, you know, it turns out that that kind of stuff is kind of ruining careers now. So maybe you should be nicer. Apparently, he's also Ed Sheeran's best friend. Ed Sheeran, maybe do something about your best friend being a dick. <laughs> yeah. You know, because people really like you, Ed Sheeran, and they're well, not going to like it if your best friend is an asshole to he everyone. Really, only has a cameo in his own music video, though. So, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, I know. Still, shouldn't really let. You know, just because you're close to a celebrity doesn't mean you get to act entitled on their behalf. You know. Well, apparently, sometimes it does. It's really gross. So the writer of this, Neil Jimenez. Mm-hmm is paralyzed and actually wrote a movie called water dance that is based on him being paralyzed oh wow Uh, eric stoltz kind of plays like the avatar Mm -hmm. for him Mm -hmm. that's kind of neat that That this uh a disabled i'm so scared where i'm like what's the politically correct term now um i mean i think you can say paralyzed okay or a disabled person yeah You know, I ended up writing this, so, yeah. I really think the best acting in this is Daniel Roebuck. Mm -hmm. He's great in this. He's really, really great because he's just, you know, he's just, he's killed this girl and he's just totally lost it. He is spending the rest of the movie like he's got nothing to lose. Yeah. But he's not playing it big and he's not playing it too small. No, he's, he's not doing it. In a way to like attract attention or anything like that where, you know, like if you saw someone acting that way, you would be like, oh, my God, like he would totally get caught. Right. No, he's just like it's a person who's just done. And aside from being in an episode of Love Boat and a TNA movie called Cave Girl, Mm -hmm. this is Danny Roebuck's first movie. Really? Yeah. He's so good in it. He's really good in this. I have a story that I'm scared that I've told on this podcast already because I know I've told the story a lot. Um, I don't remember. I met Danny Roebuck Mm -hmm. at uh, Bob and Tom radio show. Yeah. And we just hit it off immediately. He gave me his business card and wrote down his home phone number and was like, hey, I have, you know, a really large Halloween mask collection. Next time you're in L.A., you ought to come over and I'll show you my mask collection. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely do that. And then the next time I was in L.A., I was in the hotel and Mm -hmm. I pulled out his card and I was like, well, I'm going to give him a call. And then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? No, I don't know this guy. (laughs) Like, that's weird. Like. Hey, remember I'm gonna me? Go, I'm going to go over to a stranger's house and look at his mask collection. Yeah. I don't see how this doesn't end up with me being raped. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? Thrown in a hole in his basement. Do you remember when I had to tell you what it was like for a man to be raped? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so 
You weren't you like in a hike? I was you were hiking on- up in Griffith Park where mm-hmm. the Hollywood sign is up to the observatory. Yeah, because I used to like to watch the sunset, which is so it's hetero cute. of me. It's real cute. And I was running late, and I thought I saw a shortcut trail. Mm-hmm. So I was going down the shortcut trail, and it's getting dark. And the trail just kind of looped around. At the furthest point of the trail, there's just this guy standing at like against a tree, eyeballing me the entire time I was approaching. And then I get to the end. I'm like, oh, this just loops back. So I turn around, and now the guy's turned and still eyeballing me. Yeah. And like not taking his eyes off of me as I'm walking around. And I was positive I was going to be raped. And I told you, I was like, I was so scared that this guy was going to pin me down and suck my dick. And I was going to have to tell you, oh, baby, I got a blowjob. I got raped. This guy forced a blowjob on me. And you very sweetly. I just looked at you. Took your naive husband by the hand. And I was like, honey, that's that's not what he would do. (laughs) That's not how you get raped. No, no. You would. I'd be missing some teeth. You'd be missing some teeth and. Have a mouthful of man. And it'd be hard to sit down for a few days. Right. So I ended up <laughs> not calling Danny Roebuck, yeah. but writing a bit about it. And I was performing the bit in Flint, Michigan. Yes, that's right. And then a guy interrupted me and said, we can give him a call. And I was like, oh, that's funny. You got a friend named Danny Roebuck. He's like, no, I'm friends with Danny Roebuck. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he was. Yes. Because this guy is also a big like horror movie convention guy, mm-hmm. which Danny Roebuck obviously is obviously too. Obviously is too, yes. And um, yeah, so I-, I feel bad. And I actually changed the joke since then, pointing out that Danny Roebuck may be the nicest human being who's ever lived. And because of seeing him in River's Edge, is a horribly underrated actor. Yes. He's amazing. He has almost every scene... Either with Crispin Glover, who's acting at a 17, yeah. or Dennis Hopper, who's a legend. Yes. And Danny Roebuck is holding is his holding own. Is holding his own and is, and is amazing. And is grounded and far just, away the best part of this movie. Yeah, just crushing it in every scene. Yeah. Also, if Daniel Ro- if we ever run into Daniel Roebuck ever again, I want to see his Halloween mask collection. I do too. And it's like, not just a Halloween mask collection. He's into all the universal monster stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. How nice is that, that a guy is just like, oh, hey, you and I both like Halloween. I have a cool Halloween collection. That's Why awesome. don't you stop by my... Here's another sweet story about Danny Roebuck. His favorite actor growing up? Yeah. Andy Griffith. Who does he end up getting to work with later in life? Andy, Andy Griffith. Griffith. He did one episode in the first season of matlock and andy griffith was like i really like you kid i'm gonna bring you back and then wrote a character for him to play a junior attorney Uh in matlock's um Uh uh, law firm that's so making him a regular on the show that is the sweetest yeah oh my god yep danny roebuck also in the grumpy cat christmas movie yes i did know that yep he is a treasure also, I bet he was at um do you remember when we went to that um Halloween horror convention in Long Beach? Yeah. Midsummer Scream. I yeah. bet he was there. I bet if we were Maybe not on the same day we were, but yeah, I bet he was there. Oh, man. Solid dude, solid actor. Yes, and lover of Halloween. Yeah. So. 
And Rob Zombie casts him a lot now. That's the shit. Yeah. That's awesome. With, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. If I was ever in a horror movie, I would want to be murdered like immediately. Like the like the first like horrifying murder. I want that to be me. How happy do you think Brian Posehn was getting to do Devil's Rejects? Dude, I bet he was so excited. Yeah. I bet he was so excited. You know, um, Rain Wilson and Chris Hardwick were in. Are in. Yeah. Yeah. Are in it. And, thousand uh, Corpses. House, House of a Thousand, thousand corpses. corpses. Yeah. And it's so hilarious because Chris Hardwick still posts the picture of him getting murdered like every Halloween. Isn't it when Chris Hardwick was maybe still drinking? So isn't he a little doughy? He's a little doughy. Yeah. And I think he also mentions that he was still drinking. Yeah. Um, And Rain Wilson becomes a merman. Oh, yeah. 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 Beautiful. Well, I'm glad you liked this movie. I did. It was good. Daniel Roebuck is amazing. Ioni Sky is really good. Ioni Sky is really good. It's neat seeing her play a completely different type of oh, character yeah, than totally she played. Oh, yeah. Totally different. And say anything. Mm-hmm. Like, did you know it was Ioni Sky before I, I said, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saw her name uh, in the opening credits. And then as soon Apparently as I saw married her, at the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. And then I saw her. Um, I knew which one was her when she yeah. came on screen. Um, but yeah, like the cast was good. The, the apathy of scary apathy, scary apathy of these kids, which, you know, I think is sort of still relevant today. Oh yeah. With, uh, well, not even sort of, it's definitely still relevant today considering how many people will stand and film a crime instead of calling the fucking cops. Yeah. You know, it is kind of terrifying how it's, it's a thing that's kind of gotten worse over time. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are people who, you know, obviously aren't that way that will call the police that get upset that are, you know, upset and hurt when these things happen and feel that. But there are also people that detach somehow and just don't feel anything. This is kind of dumb, but I have some trivia that will make it kind of interesting to more than just me, you, and a couple comedians that listen to this. But the character actor, Leo Rossi, who plays Keanu Reeves' stepdad, Uh always kind of reminds me a little bit of Bill Bouchard, even though I know he doesn't actually look like Bill Bouchard. No, he doesn't look like Bill Bouchard (laughs) at all. (laughs) But it kind of does, right? No, he doesn't. Here, let me pull up his photo. No, I know. I know. (laughs) Anyway... He's in Hold Halloween 2. What's his name? Leo Rossi? Leo Rossi. He's in Halloween 2, and he actually introduced Jamie Lee Curtis to her longtime husband, Christopher Guest, when they were playing celebrity softball. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. He does not look anything like fucking Bill Bouchard. <laughs> he has dark hair. That is... That is... Yeah, not looking at the today picture. of. I'm not looking at the today picture. I'm looking at the younger pictures of him. He doesn't look like Bill Bouchard. There's a black and white picture of him. I'm looking at it. Oh, yep. You're looking at the one. He does not look like Bill Bouchard, like at all. Can you imagine him going? Can someone get the dog, please? (laughs) No, I can't. They both have dark hair. And they both have faces. They do, bo- and eyes, and noses yes. and mouths. Yeah. <sighs> Your face okay, blindness. Okay, well, I said I knew he didn't really, but he, he <laughs> kind of reminded me. No. Uh, I mean, like, 
good job on matching features, I guess. Like, <laughs> you, you're really good at hair color. You're great <laughs> at hair color. The uh, checkout clerk in the store is comedian Taylor Negron. The late oh. Taylor Negron. Oh, okay. I always like it when I see Taylor Negron and stuff. Yes. Because he is just he is. a comedian and an actor who just pops up randomly and things. That's right. I know. I saw, I'm like, I know that character actor. I've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He did a, he was the villain sometimes. Yeah. It's sad that he died so young. He died very young. Um, yeah. Was he ill or? Yeah, he had cancer. Hmm. Died at 57. Yeah, very, very young. Very young. Didn't he write that letter or that article about the woman that the guy from Sons of Anarchy killed? Was that no, him? No, probably not. Because I think he, well, he died in, maybe he did. Because he died in 2015, which is around that same time. Yeah. I think I, so. I thought you were saying he wrote a script. No, he but. did not. Um, yeah, one of the uh, stars of Sons of Anarchy was actually living in Los Feliz. Yeah, living kind of near us. Yeah, this woman kind of took in people dealing with problems and stuff, and he murdered her, and yeah. Yeah, and it was, and he wrote this, you know, because people were like, oh, you know, it's so tragic that, you know, he killed, because he ended up killing himself. Yeah. Um, And they're like, it's so tragic what happened to him. And he's like, it's fucking not tragic. It's tragic what happened to this woman. Right. And uh, it was very powerful. I thought it was very moving. So here's the last little bit of strenuous trivia that I have towards this. There are two lesser friends of the group of apathetic youth Mm -hmm. uh, named Mike and another one named Tom. Yeah. The one who played Tom is uh, an actor, producer named Christopher Peters. And his dad is the legendary, infamous John Peters producer, who is this hairdresser turned Hollywood producer. He is the one who hooked up with Barbara Streisand and took over A Star is Born. And he's also the one from all the Kevin Smith stories Uh about the Superman script. Like, I want a giant spider. Everyone's afraid of spiders. Put in a giant spider. And Kevin Smith's like, Superman never fought a giant fucking spider. And then when he finally did Wild Wild West, he got his giant fucking fucking spider. spider. That's right. But I guess he was notorious for every time a writer would pitch something, he would always say, is there a way to put a giant spider in this? That's right. I don't know why I'm giving him that voice. I don't either. Because he's a hairdresser, I guess. I guess so. so That's so... (laughs) I'm canceled. You're canceled. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. But yeah, he's just this, he probably has this like magnificent dick because he just keeps hooking up with powerful (laughs) Hollywood women. Yeah. And has become this producer who fairly successful. Yeah, for sure. I mean, good for him. But is a notorious fucking weirdo. Well, you're a fucking weirdo. <laughs> I know, but I don't have that magical of a dick. It's pretty magical. I like it. Well, you know, it's <laughs> nothing to write home about. I don't talk about it <laughs> to my family. <laughs> That'll be weird. <laughs> that would be a weird letter to write. Dear dad. Dearest father. My <laughs> no. husband has given me a rather magical seeing to. <laughs> He just burns it and then stabs his own eyes out. It was a real no. toe curler, if Ooh, you will. Oh, God. 
I just remembered the scene in Say Anything where the daughter tells her dad that oh. she had sex. And I'm like, who? Yep. Who? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I know from doing my parenting podcast that we're supposed to listen to everything Benji ever wants to tell us. But I'm very scared one day he's going to want to overshare with us. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm torn because I'm like, I hope that he'll be comfortable enough to to come to us if he needs anything. Yeah. Or needs advice. But also I don't I don't I don't need to know something. There's yeah. some things. Yeah, if it's like a hey, kinda like when my partner puts their finger in my butt. Is that okay? Like I guess a question like that I would probably be like, Yeah, yeah, you know. It's fine. Daddy likes it too. Yeah. But I don't want him to be like, Hey, so I was banging around, right? I got a finger up my ass. That's great. Like, yeah, I don't. Wanna, I don't. I yeah. don't know. I feel like I will always feel weird talking about sex with our kids because my parents made it so weird. Like, I I never talked oh, to them about it. My sex talk with my dad. Did I ever tell you about this? Mm-mm. He split the difference so he would only have to have one sex talk with me and my brother. So he did it when I was a little too old for it and maybe my brother was a little too young although i think we were probably both a little too old for it uh-huh. and he just called us into his den uh-huh. and he had like a brown paper bag <laughs> and a pencil and he draws he goes this is a penis and brian and i both started laughing hysterically <laughs> and then my dad crumpled up the bag and said go downstairs <laughs> <laughs> that was our entire sex talk my sex talk was my dad said anytime I went out of the house, like to go out, like as a teenager, he would say, no drinking, no drugs, no stuff with boys. That was it. Yeah. They didn't talk to me about it at all. My mom talked to me about my period, but nothing else. So, I mean, I guess I want to be more open with our kid about it. Yeah. it it'll be, the thing, it'll be more our hang up than his. Going, getting back to River's Edge. Mm-hmm. Do you think you ever had any strangely detached or apathetic experiences as a child? I'm sure I did. Where it was a, I don't know how to deal with this yet because my brain isn't fully formed kind of a thing, maybe. Yeah. Like, I mean, I would say probably. (laughs) uh, I laughed when Bambi's mom died because I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Because I was like, ha, ha, (laughs) this is. Is she dead? Like, I I think that was probably my personal one. As far as friends, I suppose so. When I was in eighth grade, there was a kid who started high school, ninth grade, and he killed himself. Mm-hmm. And I just remember all of my friends kind of going like, oh, what a nerd, dummy, can't even handle high school. And I remember his suicide scared the shit out of me yeah like everyone was making jokes about it like it was probably his crazy fucking mom let him do wow. it and i remember just thinking oh my god how bad is high school if it made yeah him kill himself but i remember yeah. being kind of freaked out that all of my friends were like ah what an idiot and it was like all people that lived in his subdivision like it was the subdivision to the south oh of me where you know like yeah yeah. A lot of my friends lived. lived. Yeah. Most of my friends mm-hmm. lived. So a lot of them just kind of being like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I it, I remember just the apathy of that really freaking me out mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I don't I don't remember anything like that from mm-hmm. when I was a kid. 
But um, I do remember when um, when I got to college, when 9-11 happened, there were a bunch of kids in my dorm who were celebrating that we got the day off classes. Ooh. And I was like bawling because um, my uncle Tim lived in Maryland near the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. And my uncle Dan, Aunt Linda, and my cousin Michael live in Manhattan. Right. So I was absolutely terrified because we managed to get an email from my uncle Tim saying that, you know, everything was okay. He, you know, he was far enough from the Pentagon. Nothing had happened, but everything was down in Manhattan. So we couldn't get a hold of Dan, Linda, or Michael. Yeah. And I think actually my cousin Michael had to go home with a friend that day from school because he went to private school. And so my aunt and uncle didn't even see him until the next day. Hmm. They couldn't get to him right away. I think apathy in the case of this movie and the real life events that it is based on are not the norm. I would agree. I think it's kind of a freak thing when that sort of thing happens. I think sometimes it is just not knowing how to deal with it. Yeah. And kind of following someone else's lead. Mm -hmm. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So if you see someone else not freaking out about it, you're like. Okay, I guess we're not freaking out about it. Like, because I guess, like, individually, they, I mean, they don't really spend time with the Mike or Tim characters, mm-hmm. but I mean, that Mike or Tim, um, whatever, Tom. Mike, yeah, those two kids, but like, even the girl characters, when they're aside, they're like, yeah, it could have been either of us. Yeah. Like, I, I think one on one, there is sympathy, but I think collectively, there is apathy. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And I think that tends to happen a lot in teenagers and, you know, young people because teens kind of glom onto one another. They don't necessarily always think for themselves. The director of this movie, by the way, Mm -hmm. this is so dumb. There are a couple behind the scenes shots of Tim Hunter directing this on IMDb and you know this is a pretty gritty like danny robux is wearing an inside out iron maiden shirt Mm -hmm. the soundtrack is largely slayer and other bay area death metal bands and Mm -hmm. stuff like that thrash bands i think fate's warning is one of the bands on there and uh, tim hunter is the biggest dorky poindexter looking nerdy motherfucker (laughs) you're such a brat (laughs) you're such a brat like he is just the super nerd. I think there's one shot of him with like everyone's in leather jackets and jean jackets and stuff. And he's wearing like a big dad sweater with the sleeves rolled up. Oh, that's cute. He just looks so out of place. <laughs> nice. He didn't really get to do a lot of movies. He mostly has been doing television recently. Maybe. He did six episodes of Mad Men. Did Breaking oh. Bad and so he's doing maybe he just likes the you know doing serialized television like that yeah but really when you he's doing good television yeah he's doing a lot of good television but directing television and directing movies are so completely different where directing television really the writer room and the showrunner are the gods on the show and the director is just kind of a hired gun to facilitate the showrunner's vision whereas a movie the director it's their vision like the hierarchy between a movie and tv are just completely different well maybe he likes that more yeah he might 
maybe he enjoys the the um you know working in a group and yeah. contributing to something i mean i haven't seen i probably did see his first movie tex which is a matt Dillon movie and uh <laughs> actually the guy who plays the teacher in river's edge is also in uh it's that teacher guy was i don't like weird. that teacher he was yeah. really weird it's like he was trying to be all like dead poet society but yeah he was just kind of an asshole. But Texas, one of the first Essie Hinton novels adapted into a movie. Like she did uh, Outsiders as well. And oh, okay. Rumblefish. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know the acting in that. But man, I, I don't know if maybe Crispin Glover was just like, dude, I did Back to the Future. You can't tell me what to do <laughs> with my hands. And maybe Keanu Reeves was just like, oh, yeah, like he was in Back to the Future. Maybe I should do big things with my hands, too. Although he doesn't really in Babes in Toyland. No. Well, maybe he did Babes in Toyland first. May- I don't know. So he didn't know until he saw Chris McGlover. Or maybe the like, director was just like, do shit with your do hands. big shit with your hands. I don't know. Chris McGlover. I was very distracted by his acting in this because he was like, you guys, we have to do something. I was like, oh, my God, you are upset you more. The apathy of the kids in the movie and in the real life story or Crispin Glover's cover of these boots are made for walking (laughs) that I played for you. These boots are made for walking covered by (laughs) Crispin Glover. That was I felt violated a little bit. Like, yeah. I couldn't tell what was being done to him, if he liked it or he hated it, but I wanted it to stop. It is stranger than William Shatner doing Rocket Man. Yes. Because I think it's going to be a long, long time. Yeah, because I feel like William Shatner, he's taking himself really seriously in that, and it's hilarious because he just looks like an idiot. But Crispin Glover, I'm just confused. Crispin Glover doing These Boots Are Made For Walking sounds like the guy on that hiking trail <laughs> liking to him because he's like you keep going when you ought to be staying i don't know he's an interesting guy he's written a lot of books he's done yeah. some interesting films he was um this is this is i think was probably great casting in the doors movie he is cast as andy warhol yeah which i'm like oh yeah that's like a one casting right there and you said that Randy Colburn, your friend, yes. uh, Randy Colburn of the Onion AV Club mm-hmm. and Consequence of Sound. Consequence of Sound. Um, his favorite actor is Crispin Glover, yes. you said. Mm-hmm. He's a big fan. Yeah. Crispin Glover is really talented. He's incredibly talented. This is a weird, it's a weird performance from him. But at the same time, I think they kind of wanted the Lane character to be kind of out there because he's supposed to be kind of the leader. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, now it seems like he delivered. <laughs> he delivered something. I, he delivered something. Um, but, I mean, I've seen him in a lot of other films, and he's been amazing. So, he was yeah. in um, American Gods. So Yeah. Ioni Sky's character apparently had been dating Yeah, had him. been dating him. And I'm I don't like, see that ever happen. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't see that. Yeah. Uh, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, River's Edge. We both liked it. Yeah, we liked it. You guys should check it out. It's on uh, HBO. Yep. 
streaming. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 It's the weirdest fucking clothes. No. Bye. I don't know how that started happening. I don't know. You just did it. Don't pin this one on me. No, it started with you. I'm going to end this show with these boots are made for walking. So sorry to our listeners. <laughs> we lose every subscriber. <laughs> you keep saying you got something for me. There's something you call love but confess. You've been a mess where you should